You're listening to the Get Clear Up podcast, a space dedicated to the female experience. I'm your host, holistic health practitioner and women's sexual health expert, Callie Shea. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Get Clitorate. I know, I know it has been a hot ass minute since I have done an episode, but we are back. We are doing the damn thing and you can expect an episode every Tuesday from here on out. Um, We have so many amazing things planned over the next few weeks and months that I'm really excited for you to get to see, get to be part of. So make sure that you are following the Get Clitorate Instagram. We got a handle specifically at Get Clitorate. So it's no longer at Get Clitorate Podcast. It is now at Get Clitorate, which I feel pretty official, pretty badass for that. Um, So make sure you're following along because that will keep you updated on all the things. And we are back with an episode with Jesse Jean. And Jessie is a food freedom coach, and she's absolutely amazing. She has this knack for just creating a really safe space for people to feel the ability to just open up and be vulnerable. And I got the opportunity to be a part or be a guest speaker in Jessie's program um, sometime last year, and then we connected, and I just love everything that she's about. Um, she does a... a beautiful job on her own Instagram and social profiles of being really vulnerable and sharing her story so openly. And I think that's why it feels so easy to talk to her. So I'm really excited for you to get your ears on this episode. And without further ado, let's get into it. I do want to add a trigger warning here that we discuss disordered eating in this episode. So if that is a sensitive topic for you, you may want to skip this episode of Get Clitorate and join us back next week. All right, you guys, I am so excited about this interview today. I am here with my friend, Jessie, and she is going to talk to us about her journey, food freedom, what all of it means. And I'm just so excited to have you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, me too. So tell us a little bit about what do you do? What's your story? I want to really introduce this audience to you. Mm, Absolutely. So I am a certified eating psychology coach and the way I ended up in this place, and if you don't know what that is, essentially I help women who struggle with binge eating, emotional eating, compulsive overeating, hating their body, get to a place of ease and effortlessness in their relationship with food and confidence in their own skin. Mm -hmm. So the way that I got to this place um, was through a lot of trial and error and a decade long battle with food and my body myself. And so that has become, it has become my moral obligation to help other women who are struggling with this because I know the depths of the struggle. I know how it's a silent killer. It's something we deal with kind of in the shadows. We're ashamed of it. We're embarrassed by it. And we don't reach out for help because we feel like we just need to be stronger. Um, And we don't really know if we struggle with these things. We just have a bunch of food anxiety and there's all these Mm. swirling questions and there's just guilt and shame and fear around food and around our bodies, around weight gain. And so um, it has just become something that's so important for me. It's something that, like I said, I feel is my moral obligation to help because at my lowest point, I started to question if life was even worth it. I was just exhausted. I was exhausted with the, with the ping ponging thoughts in my head. I was exhausted by always, you know, jumping from meal plan to to a different diet, to macro counting, to, um, you know, I would, I put myself in therapy. I was in overeaters anonymous at one point in my journey. And I just, I tried so hard to find balance with food and I couldn't seem to find it. I was either black and white, all or nothing on my diet or, you know, sinking into the screw up mentality and binging on all of the things. And it was just 
chipping away over the years at my self-confidence and my feelings of um, worthiness. And Mm -hmm. I lived with a lot of, a lot of insecurities, a lot of fear. I did not feel safe in this body of mine. I hated the way I looked. I felt disgusting. I felt gross. I always wanted to lose weight. And when I would lose weight, it never felt enough. And then I would end up, you know, blowing my diet and spiraling out of control and gaining all of the weight I had lost back and more. And it was just, the cycles were just debilitating and they took up so much time and so much energy. And so, um, Yeah, I I eventually, thankfully, was able to dig my way out of this hole through understanding neuroscience and diving deep into studying the brain and understanding what's happening on a a brain-based level as it relates to our relationship with food and our body. And I got to this place of learning how to reprogram my brain. I learned mental collaboration, metacognition techniques, these different techniques to retrain how the brain functions around food. And I was able to, like I said, dig my way out of what I considered kind of a mental hell hole. All of my life right. wasn't bad, but it was so consuming that that area of my life was just in turmoil. And so that's how I got to this point now. And that's why I do what I do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's mm. so amazing. Mm. Um, and I love like, b- because of what you do, there's so much science behind it and, you know, mm. I've stopped all of your stuff. I love everything you share. You. <laughs> um, and yeah, like you said, there's like so much science behind that. So can you give mm. us a little bit of like some insight of what that looks like retraining the brain and that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so for, for a very long time, researchers believe that our brain stopped developing in our early 20s. Like we were, we just kind of were who we were at that point and we couldn't make a whole lot more progress. We couldn't change a lot of some of these um, wired in behaviors, but, but since more research has been done and we know that the brain can change, it can continue to change our entire life. We have the ability to, to mold our brain if we learn how to work in sync with it and we learn how to train it. Um, and so what's happening on a brain-based level when it comes to these impulsive tendencies with food, whether that is just kind of feeling anxious with food and overindulging, feeling this compulsion to do something with food that you intellectually know, hey, I don't want to do this. It's going to make me feel like crap, but you feel this impulse to do it anyway, or whether it's to the extreme of like really being sucked into the diet binge cycles, um, regardless of where you kind of fall at on the spectrum, what's happening on a brain-based level resembles almost identical brain activity as someone who is struggling with addiction, whether that's, whether that's drugs or alcohol, pornography. And so if we understand um, the, the struggles with food in light of addiction, not that you're necessarily addicted to food, but you're in these addictive patterns, we can start to understand how to retrain the brain. However, the protocol for healing addiction is abstinence. And so what happens when, when we get addicted to drugs or alcohol or any other unnecessary substance, um, the brain creates these neural pathways. And so there's a trigger, there's a cue that causes us to feel a craving and we desire a certain reward. So we have these neurons in the brain that are firing together and neurons that fire together long enough wire together. And that's how addictions are created. Well, food is a necessary substance. So obviously the protocol for healing these addictive tendencies, these impulsive tendencies with food is not abstinence. We have to kind of take a backdoor approach. Um, but similarly, there are these neurons that are firing in the brain that have made it easy and automatic to binge, overeat, eat emotionally. If, 
if you have ever had, if anyone listening has ever had that sensation of, you know, I'm, I'm physically full, but I'm feeling this impulse to keep eating, or mm-hmm. I feel like this impulse has, you know, to binge or to overeat or to eat up emotionally kind of has just come out of nowhere. If you've ever had that experience where it seems like it just came out of nowhere. Well, that's because we've trained our brain to, um, to fire these neurons. And so we feel this impulse. And so the difference between somebody who has a totally normal, easy, effortless relationship with food and somebody who's struggling with a lot of food anxiety and, and these overeating tendencies is that the person who's struggling with these things has programmed the brain to fire these neurons. So you're having a physical reaction, a physical sensation, physical, a, a physical impulse to, to do these things that are frustrating, that don't that don't help us stay in balance, but the body wants to stay in balance. So we have to learn how to retrain how the mind is working with food to get back to this place of ease and effortlessness because that's how we're designed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. I love that. So, so what does food freedom mean? I know you touched on that a little bit at the beginning in your intro, but what does that mean and what does it look like? So, you know, obviously we know sort of those pain points if we've ever experienced, anyone listening has experienced, like you said, those cycles, that binge, the diet, all of that. What does it look like on the other side of that? Mm-hmm. So for, for me, so anybody listening who's wondering, do I, do I struggle with food? Mm-hmm. First, I kind of want to start here because I, I, a lot of times I'll get people asking me, I don't know if I'm a binge eater or have a, you know, or have an eating disorder or I'm an emotional eater. I don't know. And mm-hmm. I say, let's just drop all those labels because those are entirely unhelpful. And <laughs> I was clinically diagnosed with an eating disorder. Most people aren't clinically diagnosed. Right. And so instead of trying to label ourselves, if you can answer yes to any of the following questions, there is a chance that there is something, some unhealthy tendencies in your relationship with food, and you have an opportunity to achieve new and greater levels of freedom and ease in your relationship with food. So the questions being, um, do I ever feel this impulse to do something, like I said earlier, do something with food that I intellectually know I don't want to do, like some outside driver. Hmm. Do I ever feel anxious with food? Do I sometimes avoid social events or white lie about going somewhere because I don't want to be tempted to falling into, you know, overindulging, whether that's a social event or, you know, an outing? Do I feel guilt and shame and fear for something that I've done with food? Do I, um, do I sometimes eat to numb out from uncomfortable emotions to distract myself? Right. If we can answer yes to any of these things, do I sometimes eat in secret because I'm ashamed of eating in front of other people? Am I always concerned about what other people think about what I'm eating? Do I sometimes eat well beyond biological fullness and just never feel satisfied to feel like, I I feel like I have to keep on eating and eating to even feel satisfied. Do I have certain foods that are off limits, fear foods that I'm afraid of, trigger foods? So if you can answer yes to any of these things, there is so much opportunity to experience greater healing and get to this place where you can have an easy, effortless relationship with food. So a little bit of my backstory, I struggled for over 10 years and I, I dip my toes in kind of every um, disordered pattern. So there was moments where I would, you know, was really erring on the side of anorexia. I wouldn't let myself eat. I, I avoided food at all costs. And when that became too much and I would snap, 
because I was exhausted and starving, I would end up going on these tailspin binges and I would binge and binge and binge and overeat to the point of, you know, gaining all this weight, feeling sick, feeling uncomfortable. And then I tried different things like taking laxatives. I tried to purge, tried all of these things to manage my weight. I, it didn't matter the emotion I felt, whether that was anxiety or fear or insecurity, I would use food to numb out. But even if it was a joyful experience or something happy and positive, it was like food centered. I wanted to celebrate and reward myself with food. So any, any strong emotion I felt, I would turn towards food. And so I, and then I would get, I would be disappointed in myself. I'd gain weight. I'd jump into the next diet and then I'd snap and I'd end up binging and I'd end up overeating and the cycles just continued. And they looked different over the years because I tried different things. Um, but anybody who struggles with this knows it's exhausting. The mental turmoil that always thinking about food, waking up first thing in the morning and wondering what you weigh or getting on the scale, wondering, can I eat? Or did I eat too much yesterday? Do I need to work out more to make up for it? Like these, these are just exhausting cycles. The, the struggle with food occupies so much mental energy, mental real estate. And so the way that I define food freedom is when we are in a place where we're, we've regained mental energy, we're not having food thoughts in the back of our mind or in the forefront of our mind all day long. We're not mm. constantly worrying about our body, whether it's in the back of the mind, our mind or in the forefront of our mind. We're not afraid of food. We're able to go on vacations and not have to prep all of our food, nor do we go on vacation and have the screw up mentality and spiral out of control. We're able to listen to our body's hunger and fullness cues, which I thought was a load of crack. I thought, <laughs> I was like, this is crap. This is impossible. There's no way that, that you're telling me I could listen to my body's hunger and fullness cues and maintain balance. Because when I heard, and that's the definition of intuitive eating, when I heard that, I thought, there's no way I'm, I'd be able to deepen a tub of ice cream every night. There's no way. So to be able to enjoy sweets and actually lose interest in food because I'm full and I no longer feel this like need to finish my plate, mm. that's freedom. It's freedom to be able to, I shared on my Instagram yesterday, it's freedom to be able to go home and not stress about my mom's homemade cooking and wondering how I'm going to spiral out of control to be able to enjoy her biscuits and gravy and stop when I'm full and not feel the need to keep going and going and going. Mm -hmm. It's not feeling anxious around food. It's feeling comfortable and confident in your own skin. It's a place of ease and effortlessness that is 100% possible for every human being, no matter how long you've struggled with food, if you learn how to reprogram how your brain works with food and, and really work on uprooting some of these deeply rooted insecurities around your body. Yeah. Yeah. I saw what you shared yesterday. I was like strolling this morning and I was like, yeah, that's so powerful. Being able to just go and enjoy and mm -hmm. be present uh, with the people around you and where you are and, and not having that food stress. It's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So what do you see? How do you see this shift people's lives? Because obviously you work with women and you help them with this. What we understand, like you gave us that definition of food freedom, but what does that look like in their day-to-day -day lives? Um, you know, and like you said, like an example was your, was having a deeper relationship with your mom, but I'd love to know more about what that looks like. Yeah, totally. So I, I used to plan out everything that I was going to eat down to the, the macro, the, the gram of protein, mm -hmm. carbs, and fat. I'd plan that out. I'd plug it into, you know, my fitness pal, and oh god don't get me started about my fitness pal <laughs> it's 
such an energy drain. Oh my gosh. And I, and the thing is, I, I will never um, knock anything that I went through because it's brought me to where I'm at. So when I was, when I was living off of a meal plan and I discovered flexible dieting and macro tracking, that was a game changer. I was like, wow, this is freedom (laughs) until it wasn't until it was exhausting to track every gram of protein, carbon, fat that I put in my mouth and not be able to eat in balance without weighing and measuring and plugging mm-hmm. everything in. And so, so there's levels to freedom. Right. And if you're in the place where you went from a meal plan and you're like, macros are the best thing ever. Well, that's great until they're not. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. great until, until it really gets in the way of being able to go on a spontaneous date night. That's the beauty of having freedom. The beauty of having freedom is is waking up and wondering what sounds good instead of what can I eat? Yeah. What sounds good? It's, it's sitting down or it's going out to eat with your friends and being able to be fully present in a conversation while enjoying your food without mm. feeling the pressure to, to eat everything on your plate because it's so good. You don't allow yourself to have it except on special occasions. It's being intimate with your partner without fear and insecurity around how your body looks. Yeah. It's, it's being able to, to eat foods that fully satisfy you without going crazy on them because there's some weird allure and excitement around them because you never let yourself have them. It's not being afraid of any food. Mm. And I, like I said, I never thought it was possible that I would be able to listen to and trust my body and maintain a weight that is healthy for my body without all of the efforting tirelessly, you know, efforting to maintain my weight. I don't have to do that. I'm able to listen to my body. So it's this, this beautiful rhythm of not having food anxiety, not feeling guilt and shame for what I ate, being able to honor what I'm craving and maintain balance. I don't have to honor every craving, but I also don't go into this. There's, there's not no longer these ping ponging thoughts or worries about food in my body. Yeah, totally. And, mm. and I, I don't think it's uncommon for, for at least cause I see it mostly with women, right? I don't work with men, so I don't know, but mm-hmm. with women, I see, you know, it, it isn't uncommon for us to struggle with food in some way, shape or form. You know what I mean? And yeah, um, you know, I've, I share very openly about like my old, my whole journey with food and really that started in, in high school where I, um, just didn't like the way my body looked, you know, I just thought it should look a little different and, um, didn't have any idea how food worked in the body, what nutrition actually meant. I had no understanding of that. And I was like, great. The less I eat, the skinnier I'll be. And that's that. And that's mm-hmm. so not it. That's so is not how the body works. Um, yeah, but you know, I think so many women go through something like that. And, and I don't think, I, I feel like literally every episode of the podcast, I talk about diet culture and how much I hate it. Yes. Um, but when you see these Instagram accounts or these like features in Vogue magazine or whatever that are so pro diet, what comes up for you with that? Does it just like infuriate you? Cause that's what comes up for me. <laughs> yeah. So I used to be super triggered by those mm-hmm. things when I was in my own healing journey. Right. I was, I would be tempted to go back into dieting because, right. well, I could control the way my body looked, but this, the reality is diet culture has sold us this belief that we, we can control every aspect of our body mm-hmm. 
through this detox or this diet or this, that, whatever. And sure, can you follow the detox and lose 10 pounds in two weeks? Yeah, you can. But can you maintain that? No. no. You snap, you binge, you gain it all back. How many times have we all been in those cycles? Yeah. And so we like to believe, we like to stay in this ignorant place because ignorance can be bliss when we're believing that, man, all I need to do to feel confident is do this you know, two-week cleanse or this four-week diet or this eight-week challenge. Yep. But when really that work starts on a much deeper level because that is how many of you listening have had that experience where you've lost weight, still didn't feel good enough. You've gained weight back. And then later on, you look at those pictures and you're like, oh, why wasn't I happy then? Mm -hmm. I would kill to look like that now, right? Like it's not about that. It's not about the body. It's about these deeply seated insecurities that we need to start uncovering. And so when I see things, you know, when I see diet culture everywhere, what it does for me now, at first it was triggering and then it became just annoying. And then it became something that where it's at now for me is it's just really sad. I'm yeah. sad that we are up against a multi-billion dollar industry that has plagued women and men to believe that they're not good enough. And that the answer to their happiness and their joy is on the other side of, like I said, this four week diet, this eight week challenge. Mm -hmm. And so it, it breaks my heart and it does infuriate me too. It breaks my heart. And it, on the one hand, it infuriates me that it's, it's such a beast that's capitalized on our insecurities and it's caused so many disordered relationships with food, so much right. insecurity that it's, it's got all of our attention. How many of you are in conversations all the time that are about weight loss or about the next diet that you're going to be on or how much you don't like your body or what you're like, how many of us spend waste so much of our life focused on this thing? That makes me so sad. Oh, totally. And, and you know, this, this reminds me of what you were saying, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you could be whatever weight and that doesn't fix what's going on underneath, mm -hmm. you know, that my journey started because I really struggled with hormonal acne when I came off the pill Yeah. yeah. and. I just, I thought, you know, in the back of my mind, my life will get better when my acne goes away. You know, mm -hmm. that was my thing. I was like, I will want to date the hot guy when my acne goes away. I will, I will want to get back in the gym when my acne goes away. Like that was in the yeah. back of my mind. I was like, okay, as soon as this is gone, I'll be confident. I'll feel hot. I'll be my best self when my acne goes away. Well, guess what? <laughs> the acne went away and I still had those same insecurities, those same things that still came up. And I think that, you know, this applies really well to really any sort of health thing that you've got, um, or body insecurity or whatever it's, it's, there is a deeper emotional, um, root that has to be addressed. It's not about the physical thing ever. No, no. And you're so, you're so right. If we don't this, and this is the thing too, that I always say is I, I, I would say things to myself, like, Oh, you're disgusting. You're gross. I would, I would, you know, have these thoughts rolling around in my head. Oh, you're so fat. And I thought my body was the problem. Hmm. And at the same time, I'm not minimizing or saying it's not, it, you shouldn't have goals to feel good in your own skin. Right. I have fitness goals, but now they have the appropriate place in my mind and heart. They're not based in, if you don't do this, you're not as valuable, worthy, or beautiful. They hmm. no longer have that position in my heart and mind, but I have since recognized 
instead of staying on the surface of, oh, I feel, I feel gross. I feel disgusting. I feel fat. I'm like, wait a second. Like, first of all, fat's not a feeling. What am I actually feeling? And I'll, I'll start asking myself deeper. I feel insecure. Why do you feel insecure? Well, I feel insecure because I don't feel like this body is going to be attractive to somebody else. And I'm not going to put myself out there and date. Hmm. Okay. Where did you come to believe that? Well, because this one time X, Y, and Z thing happened, or because the only thing I see on social media is X, Y, and Z or whatever. So if we can start digging deeper and asking ourselves, what, what's the insecurity and what you will find 10 out of 10 times at the very core, once we peel back all of the layers is that as human beings, we, we are driven to connect. We are driven to, to be in relationship. We are driven to be loved. That's a fundamental human need to have connection, love, support. And we believe that us, diet culture has made us believe that our bodies, the way that we look is what determines whether or not we are going to have that fundamental human need for love and connection met. Right. Yeah. That belief that my physical body determines my worthiness. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. totally a worthiness issue. And so that those feelings of insecurity and, and feelings of, unworthiness don't go away when we lose the 10 pounds and then we're shocked and we don't feel good enough and we think we need to lose more. Mm. And it's this cycle. If we don't look at it and say, you know, I actually am dealing with not feeling good enough. And how can I start meeting my needs for love and connection? And oftentimes we look at our life when we are in a smaller body, you've lost weight before and you're like, no, it was so much better when I was in a smaller body. Well, did you not show up in the world different because maybe you felt a little bit more confident? So you were willing to put yourself out there. You were willing to go have those conversations. You were willing to say yes to the date. You were willing to say yes to your friends. What if you started saying yes to those things now and prove to yourself that it's not the body standing in your way. It's you and your belief of your worthiness standing in your way. Yeah. Oh my God. It's life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's so powerful. Hey, it's Callie. If you don't mind, can you take like 0.3 seconds, jump into the Apple podcast app and leave us a review for Get Clitorate. It makes a huge difference when you leave reviews because it helps with the rankings. It helps people find the episodes. It's just such an easy way to support the pod. And we love to feature reviews on our Get Clitorate Instagram account. Thank you so much. Now back to the episode. So... I know you mentioned, um, it, it, you know, like you said, like we can have fitness goals. We can still want to Im- improve things or, or st- whether that's strength or just like the feeling of being like stamina to me. I'm like, I have the worst cardio ever. So like, that's mm-hmm. one of my goals. Like, can I just like get through this? Yeah. <laughs> so totally. Like those are the goals I have, but like, how is there a healthy way in your opinion to discuss weight gain and weight loss? And is there a way to do that without it being triggering? Mm, so this is actually a very good question. And so in, I was just interviewed or I was just in a collab, a collab with um, Lindsay and Lexi Kite. We collabed mm-hmm. on um, a project. They are PhD holders, the creators of Beauty Redefined. They studied um, um, basically their body image experts right. and something in their research that they studied is, is when, or I believe it was in their research or they were mentioning research um, is that when we have the intention to lose weight behind our reason for being active or eating healthy, 
it is not a sustainable motive to keep us living a healthy lifestyle. And it's shown over and over in the research. So even if you want to lose weight, if you have that be your intention and your goal behind moving your body and eating healthy, it will come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah. It will. It will. It builds this internal pressure that, and it, it causes us to focus on willpower and discipline instead of lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. And so once that willpower and that discipline fatigues, which it always runs out. Right. Motivation's not, fleeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're not a robot. You're a human. Mm-hmm. Um, when that runs out and you snap, what happens? You turn to food to numb, to bin, to, to, to numb out, to give yourself a temporary feeling of relief. Like just give me and, a break. Like yeah. literally. <laughs> so we have to start setting better goals instead of weight loss goals. Can we focus on health because health and weight loss are not the same thing. So can we focus our energy and intention on, you know, what, what am I doing this for? Well, I'm doing it because I want to be able to have the energy to hang out with my kids and not be fatigued. Mm-hmm. Or do I believe I'm worthy of feeding myself healthy, well-balanced foods, mm. you know? And, and so we have to start switching kind of our energy and our motive. And so when I'm making fitness goals for myself, they are based in character development goals and performance goals. Mm-hmm. So what do I, what's the purpose of me working out? Cause if it's solely aesthetics, again, that's that we will fatigue. We will, yeah. we will not make it through. You might get to a point, but you won't sustain it. You won't feel good enough. So what if we made our goals? What if I could focus on behavior-based goals? I want to practice being more consistent in self-care. So my goal is to move my body in a way that feels good three to four times a week. I wanna practice developing my discipline and consistency. That's a behavior-based goal or performance-based goal. I want to be, I don't wanna have as much back pain, so I need to strengthen my, my core. And so I'm gonna go into the gym and I'm gonna try and you know, lift heavier. I'm gonna try and improve my, my running speed. Instead of focusing on how many calories am I burning? How is this affecting my weight? How is this affecting my measurements? Let's focus on performance, athletic-based goals and behavior-based goals. And it's a total game changer. Mm, Yeah, I love that. Like I said, like my goal, and I found that same thing with myself. Like I, my goal can't be to lose weight. It won't work. I'm, or it can't be to even gain muscle. I'm like, that doesn't work. It's not Mm -hmm. sustainable. And, Mm -mm. and we do, we really, and I am sure you see this in your work. We live in a world of instant gratification. I want something, I buy it. It's here the next day. Like, fitness schools don't work like that. Like they are just losing weight doesn't work like that. And I have a lot of clients who have gained weight due to hormone imbalances or something like that. And, and they come to me and that's one of their goals is like, I want to lose the weight. And one of the first things I say is like, that cannot be the main goal. Like the main goal cannot be weight loss because Mm -hmm. weight gain is simply a symptom of whatever's going on underneath. It is not the problem. Like yeah. your problem is not like, oh, I, I've put on, on extra weight. That's uncomfortable to me. Yeah. Um, it's, it's okay. What's the imbalance underneath that? And are you okay with putting like, Hey, let's put weight loss on the back burner. Let's mm-hmm. focus on what's, what's happening underneath. And then that symptom will likely calm down mm-hmm. just like anything else. Like you don't treat the fever or yeah, you don't treat the fever. You treat the cold, right? Like for sure. Same sort of thing. And, and you're right. I think that, that it can't be, that cannot be the main goal or else you will mm-hmm. totally lose sight of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. 100%. And if, yeah, and this is what's hard is we, we keep doing the same thing under the guise of a different name. Mm-hmm. So 
So, okay, we go from, you know, the zone diet to the Jenny Craig diet to Weight Watchers to, oh, I've learned about counting macros. And we think it's a new thing, Mm -hmm. but how many cycles of this have you been in, right? Like, think (laughs) about it. How many times have you tried this? So it seems counterintuitive to focus on loving ourselves, even if we don't love our body. It seems counterintuitive. It seems counterintuitive to actually start releasing some of the rules and restriction around food in an effort yes. to find balance, which it actually works over time. Yes. It seems counterintuitive to, to do some of these things that actually take you to balance because we're afraid because maybe that weekend that we just said, we're not going to track our macros or we're not going to follow our meal plan. We've spiraled out of control. So of course it's not going to work to lift rules and restrictions and practice loving myself because if I don't fuel myself with self-hate. I won't have the motivation to do something to change. Mm -hmm. And so then we stay in these toxic cycles, but the beauty and the hope is that, and the truth is that our body wants to be in balance. Your body wants to be at a healthy weight. Yes. I say this all the time. Yes. So you don't have to, but we're afraid because we've trained, and this is what's frustrating is we've trained our brain into these cycles where we actually are dealing with these physical impulses to binge and overeat. So we don't trust our body. But what we have going on here is a mental wiring problem. The body wants to be in balance. And when you work through retraining the brain to get back to how we were all born, then it's amazing because the body (laughs) takes care of it. I haven't had to work to maintain this weight. I mean, right. I try and exercise regularly because it makes me feel better, but I'm not on any regimented workout plan or diet plan. And my body is maintaining a healthy, normal weight. Yeah. And, and there's also a big difference too. And, you know, I see this with clients when, when they gain weight, they start eating better. They start feeling better because they, their body needed to be at a different, at a higher weight. Yep. You know, there's a big difference between like necessary and quote unquote, unnecessary weight gain. For and sure. You know, even for me, I was cruising at a very low weight for a long time that was not supportive and not conducive to my cycle health. And that was one of the biggest things that I did for myself to get a healthy, regular cycle is I gained weight. And I had to give up in my mind, oh, I'm going up a pant size. I have always been, I had this big realization a couple, couple years ago that I was struggling to fit in the same jeans that I wore in high school. And I was right, right. Mm. And I, in my mind had that, that idea that that was my number. That's, that's my pant size. That should be mm. my pant size. Yeah. So I never bought new jeans. I just simply didn't wear jeans in hopes that I would eventually, and I'm like, I was 14. <laughs> what? Yeah. How? And And, you know, like I said, I really struggled with that, with the diet culture mentality for a long time. And that was one of my things. And I was like, just go buy another pair of damn jeans. Like just go mm-hmm. buy a pair of jeans. And, and my cycle, you know, was, was healthy. My hair was healthy. My skin was healthy. And I was like, okay, we're a different pant size. Like that's that. Mm-hmm. And we just are. Totally. And you know what? You're right. We, we totally get trapped in these loops of, of things. And it's so common. It's so, it does happen. And I think there's a lot of shame around it. I think we talked about that in the beginning. There's so much shame around, um, having these struggles with food, but we are bombarded with so much, so much messaging around food and diet and weight and what we should be. And, and so, yeah, I think that's why these conversations are so important to be like, okay, this does happen. Like you're not alone in this. And there is, like you said, every human can experience what it's like to have food freedom on the other side of this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I know it's scary and there's so much fear and there's so much the, the, the deeply rooted belief that 
I, I just need to fix my body first. Then I'll focus yep. on my mental health. Yeah. Like I just have to get to the weight that I'm going to feel comfortable in. And then I'll, you know, and then I'll focus on getting, you know, a healthier relationship with food or working on my hormones or whatever it is. Right. And it's, and, and I get it. I know how scary it can be to pursue healing mm. because we have to, uh, well, for one, we often don't believe that it's even possible. So we're dealing with our own self-doubt because how many times have you tried to find balance with food? Yeah. Right? How many times have you tried to not binge or overeat? So, so we're dealing with our own self-doubt that nothing ever works for me. And then we're dealing with the fear of if I pursue this, does that mean I have to forfeit wanting to feel good in my own skin? And the thing I would, I want to address here is absolutely not. But if you don't put your mental health as your number one priority, you will continue in these cycles. And inside the Food Freedom Online program, I have women who are in their mid 60s who have dealt with this since the time they were young teens. It will not go away. Time will not heal this wound mm-hmm. until you do the work to reprogram the brain. What happens year after year of continuing in these cycles is you wire in that neural pathway deeper in your brain. The way I like to explain neural pathways is, is um, think, of, think of going on a hike and you're staying on trail and the trail has been walked by a, a, a gazillion people. And so it's carved out. There's no, there's no greenery. There's no weeds. There's nothing growing in the trail because it's been walked by a lot of people. Well, in order to retrain the brain, you have to say, okay, I'm no longer going to walk this same path. I'm going to go off path. I'm going to go off course and I'm going to start walking a different path. And I, and through habituation, walking that path over and over and over and over again, you start to carve out a new neural pathway in the brain. You start to carve out a new, a new trail in the brain for your brain to operate automatically. And the less you walk that, um, that busy trail, in your mind, the less time you spend there, eventually what happens, the forest takes over, greenery starts growing back on a trail that hasn't been walked in years and years, and you actually start to reprogram the brain by creating a new neural pathway and the other one basically dying out. But if you don't do that over the years, you're just walking that same path over and over under the guise of a different name, whether that's, you know, this meal plan or doing this thing or doing that thing, you're just in these cycles. And so it takes a lot of courage to say, I'm afraid because I don't know where this other path leads me. And, and what's the, the, the beauty, like I said, the beauty is that you can have it all, a body that you feel comfortable in and an easy effortless relationship with food, but you have to learn the mental strategies and techniques to reprogram the brain, or you're just going to yeah. keep on that same path. No, I totally agree with that. And so, so what is your take? I would love to hear this on, on people who have to go on a specific protocol for health reasons or whatever, because I know even personally, when I had to switch up, I have a lot of food sensitivities. And so therefore a lot of foods were always scary for a long time until I began to understand my relationship with food better and shift that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know a lot of people listening in this space are going to have either hormone issues or gut issues or whatever, where they do have to be restrictive. So what are your tips for that? Like, how do we have a healthy relationship with food, but also do follow something that is restrictive due to health reasons? Mm, yeah, this is a great question. So we have to change our relationship to what that means. So, mm. so if, if you have food sensitivities, GI issues, your celiac, whatever, if you have to have certain, you know, a certain protocol, well, we need to change our relationship to what that means. But what's happened is diet culture has hacked 
everything. It's hijacked everything. So then we think, oh my gosh, we're thinking about, you know, not eating gluten in light of diet culture. I can't eat gluten because X, Y, and Z reason, whatever. And it's very restrictive based. If we can change our energy from an energy of fear and restriction to an energy of abundance and worthiness, I am worthy of taking care of. And my body does not process gluten. So mm-hmm. I am worthy of eating foods that make me feel good. Yeah. Not, I can't have the gluten. I had a client once who this was her situation and I, and it shifted from, from, I can't have gluten to, I can have the gluten. I can have, I can have the cake. Yep. And I also know if I have the cake, I'm going to get bloated and it's going to hurt. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for her, that's worth it. She's right. like, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have this cake. I want this cake. I know I'm not going to feel great tonight because of what gluten does, what happens in my body, but I'm making that decision and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But most of the time it's, that's not worth it to me. It's not mm-hmm. worth having, you know, an upset stomach for a day and a half because I had gluten. I'm allowed to have it. You're allowed to have the things, but does it cause flare ups in the body that are really uncomfortable? And are you worthy of, of giving yourself foods that help you live out your most you know, vibrant days, of course you are. So it's, yeah. it's shifting the way that we think about it. You're, a, it, we think about it in this very restrictive mindset. You're allowed to have it. Do you want to have it? Does it feel good for the body, for your body to mm-hmm. have those things? Or are you worthy of, of taking care of? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I use the same kind of language. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a client recently who found out she was very sensitive to sugar. She was Mm -hmm. really dealing with, with chronic cystic acne. She couldn't clear it up. And so we started like looking at, okay, what are we eating consistently that might be causing these flare ups? Mm -hmm. And it's not always food related. You know, sometimes it's stress, sometimes it's hormones. We worked our way through our list and and so she was like, I, and it's so funny. We always know what we need. Like intuitively, we, she was like, I think I want to try removing like, like sugar and alcohol for a while. And I was like, sure. If you want to try that, like try that. Yeah. And her skin cleared up and, mm-hmm. and that's not for everyone. That's not everyone's solution, but right. that was hers, right. For her system. Right. And, and we were on the call and she was like, you know, I'm stressed because I can't, I feel like I can't have sugar now. Like I want to be able to go out. I was like, have the sugar. Like it's totally fine. You know, mm-hmm. take a digestive enzyme, like pair it with yeah. some proteins and fats, enjoy the sugar. It's not that you can't have it. It's that, you know, like, Hey, I may be more prone to a breakout because I had the sugar, yeah. but I was with my friends and it was so worth it. And we had the best yeah. time. Like that is so exactly. much better to me than you stressing about not having it. Exactly. And it's so much healthier because the stress and anxiety and the cortisol spikes in the body when you're so worried, that's way more unhealthy than having- Just eat the damn sugar, girl. Go for it. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's that whole perspective shift of, of, and not labeling ourselves too. Like if you prefer to eat, for example, a vegetarian diet or a Mm -hmm. vegan diet or, you know, a pescatarian diet, instead of labeling yourself those things, I'm a vegetarian, I'm a vegan- I'm this, I'm that. Mm-hmm. Instead of labeling yourself that, can you instead say, I generally like to eat a more vegan approach. I generally like to eat a more vegan style diet. Mm-hmm. So that the moment that you're presented with something that's not vegan and you want to enjoy it, you don't feel guilt or this identity crisis. Yes. It's, no, I, I generally prefer to eat this way. I generally prefer to not have gluten because it messes with my system, but nothing's off limits. And I mean, it's, you, you tell yourself you can't have something and you immediately want the thing you tell yourself you can't have. (laughs) Yes. Work in sync with the brain. That's not how the brain works. That grit brute force. It only lasts us so long until we fatigue and snap and we binge on all the things that, you know, 
we don't want to. Right. No, absolutely. So for people who are in a relationship with, or even friends of someone who is struggling with like body image, food fear, what do you think that they need to know to be supportive and show up for this person? Mm, Great question. So if you are, if you yourself are struggling or you can sense that somebody in your life is struggling, or you know that somebody's struggling, first off, one of the most, um, one of the most challenging things when we're struggling with body image is actually that we become body obsessed. Mm. And so if we can recognize it's not about going from hating our bodies to loving our bodies, it's about going from maybe hating our bodies to recognizing we're so much more than our body. We don't have to love our body. There's things about my body I don't love, but I, I know my value and my worth. So I respect my body Mm. and I treat her with kindness and compassion even if there's things I don't love about the way that she looks. Mm-hmm. And so, so whether it's you yourself needing to kind of adopt this mindset or you're supporting somebody, if you can, if somebody's struggling with body image, the goal is to get yourself or that person to recognize more in themselves. So mm-hmm. instead of, no, you're not, you're not fat. You're not this. You're not that. You're so beautiful. Are you kidding? I love this about this. about your <laughs> Which doesn't work. <laughs> no, no, it just keeps us obsessed with our body. Mm-hmm. Instead, I always say the best affirmations for body when you're struggling with body image have nothing to do with your body, mm-hmm. recognizing you are more than your body. So if you're supporting someone who's struggling with body image, telling them how beautiful they are and how much you love this feature and that feature keeps them obsessed with their body. Mm-hmm. You can start if, if you can, and this, this goes for everyone. Let's stop complimenting people on their image. It's such a shallow thing to compliment someone on. Mm-hmm. So shallow. I agree. We, we are so much more than this image. We are multidimensional. Our earth suit is just one small fraction of who we are. Our soul is dynamic. So say somebody in your life is it, you want to compliment them on their, their fitness. Maybe they're crushing it in the gym and you notice changes in their body. Instead of complimenting them on how good they look, compliment them on something that doesn't change. Something that is, is, uh, is a, um, how would I say it? Something that they can anchor in a character trait. You're, you are so consistent in your goals. That is incredible. I'm so impressed with how how disciplined you are to stay consistent in your self-care practices. Because you know what they can do with that, that feeling of discipline is they can apply that to other areas of their life or that feeling of consistency. That's a behavior. So instead of, wow, you look great. Can we take it deeper? Can we call out other things in people? Can we compliment them on other aspects of their character, help them see that they are multidimensional, that they, that their life is not like the, the goal of their life is not to be nice to look at. Right. And that feels so much better. Like hearing like you, you like, like what you said, like you are consistent. You are so disciplined. You are, are awesome at being consistent with this. Like hearing those things feels so much better than me. Like, wow, you've lost weight. Like that's yeah. so fleeting that it, it's just like, oh, but did I? And that's like immediately where your brain goes. Yeah. And it's Rather, triggering because it's like, yes. it's like, oh, even if it's, even if it's, you look nice or have you lost weight? You know what the person thinks in their head? They go, 
did they notice how, how I didn't look nice before? Right. I, did, do I, yeah, did I like, look fat before? Like that's amazing. Not look good yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's just so unhelpful. Mm-hmm. You know, my partner is very good at that. You know, he is, I don't know. Like sometimes I'll be like, Hey, treat me like a piece of meat today. Like tell me I'm hot <laughs> because he will, he will compliment. He really doesn't really compliment like physical features. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare if I, if he compliments that because he'll be like, wow, you've been so positive today. Like that's the compliment I'll get. Or like, you've been so like driven with work lately. And I'm like, God, thank you. Like, yeah, <laughs> that is so yeah. nice to hear. <laughs> totally. Totally. And like thinking about like complimenting somebody on their energy, man, your energy is so warm and so uplifting. Every time I'm in your presence, I just feel, I just feel so much more joyful. Thank you for bringing that to my life. Like if you take the time to focus on complimenting people on something other than their looks, it will help them see that they're so much more than their looks. Yeah. And it feels good to compliment people on that. Like when I'm compliment my friends, I'm like, I just love being around you. You're so fantastic to be around. You're such like a happy person, whatever it is. They love that. I love complimenting them. And I feel like it also creates a very, um, we don't, that's a, that's a very deep compliment. Typically, you know, shallow compliments, I think are, wow, your shirt's nice. Or like you look pretty today. Like those are shallow, but when you get deep on things that you appreciate about another person, it really cultivates a very, um, I think just like unique relationship when you can openly talk about that kind of stuff and the things that you genuinely appreciate about that person. Yes. 100%. And I love that your, your partner is so good at at complimenting (laughs) you on so many other things. And even my husband too, sometimes I'm like, Hey, do you think I look nice? (laughs) You know, he's always, you know, he's just, and he's like, of course, I always think you look amazing. I'm like, could you just tell me that right now? Cause I took a lot of time to get ready. (laughs) (laughs) And I I will literally say, I'm like, can you treat me like a piece of meat just for a second? (laughs) Yeah. Or I'll just say, you know, even even it doesn't have to be like, oh, you look so nice. It can be like that. You took a lot of time to, you know, to go out with me. You, yeah. you know, you look, I love the way you put yourself together. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the way you spent, spent time to put yourself together to go out on our date. That means a lot. Oh yeah. He'll compliment yeah. my style sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm hot shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes, like, he'll be like, oh, you have the best style. And I'm like, Thank you. Right. Yes, I do. I'm like, yeah, I do. I'm so, I'm awesome. Like immediately that's where I go. So yeah, I think, and that's really the only partner I've ever had that's done that. Any previous Mm -hmm. partner is like, wow, you have great legs. And I'm like, cool, but thanks. Thanks. Like, okay. And then immediately I'm like, but do I, do I have great legs? Like, but what about this cellulite that I'm so concerned about? Yeah. Does he see that? Does he not see that? Do I need to hide that? (laughs) Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. No. And I think, I think those are great tips. I think that's a, a such a unique tool that like not a lot of people are, are okay having those vulnerable conversations and saying like, I appreciate mm-hmm. these things about you. So mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's, yes. that's so valuable. So do you have any resources that you want to share with us for someone yes. who's listening so they can begin this journey, like books, podcasts, I know you have your podcast mm-hmm. and they're just like curious about body image, digging into food freedom, and just want to know more about this topic in general. Yeah, absolutely. So I always say the best place to, to start is if you're afraid to lean in and to begin your healing journey, know that the, that learning about healing and reprogramming your brain is, is zero risk, right? right. You don't have to be afraid to learn, just start opening yeah. your mind, opening your heart, hearing stories, learning about how this might possibly work for you. And 
I, my, my favorite resource, obviously my podcast, the Dear Body podcast, I go into detail on all different mental reprogramming tools. I interview tons of women who have gone through this same process of mental reprogramming um, so that you can hear how it's worked for other people. So that's a great resource. Books, I always recommend diving into Evelyn Tribley's book, Intuitive Eating. She talks about what intuitive eating is, the different principles of intuitive eating. That's a great place. And then, um, you know, I'm always putting out stuff on my Instagram. I am trying to be a, a wealth of information. And the thing is, though, there might be some of you who have a lot of information about what you need to do, but you don't feel like um, you can get yourself to do the thing you know you need to do. And what I would say to that is if you're in that cycle of being um, like just just absorbing a ton of information, but never taking action, know that it's not because you're weak, it's because you're human and it is imperative to get accountability and support. It's so important. Anytime in my life where I'm struggling to follow through on something that I've learned I need to do or that I want to do or a goal that I have, I never anymore blame myself. I don't go, oh, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do this thing? I look and I say, my systems of accountability are not as tight and high as they need to be. I need more accountability and more support so that I can follow through on the execution component of this. So start with learning, start absorbing, and then get yourself accountability as you learn what to do. Because it's, right. it's not about being, instead of thinking it's weak to need accountability, support, coaching, mentorship, therapy, whatever, it's wise. It's wise. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I honestly would have a coach for everything. Like Same. I, I do sometimes I, I have like three mentors at a time and I'm like learning from different people because I think that is just such a great resource. It's like picking other people's brain and getting ment brains and getting mentorship. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. Like I know it like literally at one point I had like three mentors and I was like, this is awesome. I have so much support. Yes. It's the best. I always tell people get selfish in the amount of support you get yourself. Yes. Like get build selfish. out your team of people who are to in support your you. Yes. 100%. I love that. I, I always joke that, um, my goal is to have enough financial resources so I can have a coach and a mentor in every single area of my life. I'm trying to yes. move forward. I love that. And, and I think, I think that's such a great way to do it. And just like really having, like, like I said, like different education, different people from all these different avenues, backgrounds. And I think it, it helps us to be more well-rounded in the way that we're taking care of ourselves for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So where can everyone find you? Plug your stuff. Yeah. So I would, I hang out, like I said, on the Dear Body podcast. I love podcasting way more than I love Instagram because I get to go like this. We get to go mm -hmm. in depth, have really deep, meaningful conversations, but I am on Instagram at Jesse J-E-S-S-I-J-E-A-N-N-N. So I hang out there. I try and put out as much um, tangible, tangible help that I possibly can. So thanks for joining us for this me. episode of the yes, Get Clitoris Podcast. Her. She is a wealth we of release knowledge. a new episode every Thank single you week. So go so ahead and much for coming on here. We'd I love appreciate you to leave us so a review much. and let us Thank know you so what you think of the show. This is really you fun. can learn more about myself, your host, Callie Shea, by visiting my website, callieshea.com, or by visiting my Instagram, at callieshea. If you want to stay in the loop with what's happening on the podcast, you can follow at Get Clitoris on Instagram.